Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, L Stanger. Thank you for finding me on lstanger.com. Thank you to our sponsors. And rate and review us on your listening app so that more people can find us. This is the Ask a Doctor Anything Sexual Health Edition with my friend, Dr. Eveline Dacker. Hello. 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 You can find Eveline on Instagram at sexmeddoc. Uh, follow Eveline Dacker, that's E-V-E-L-I-N, on Facebook. And evelinedacker.com is her personal website. I've shared maketimeforthetalk.com many times over the years. And that is your consent and boundaries um, yeah. education. I, I call it my... Yeah, I call it my uh, safer sex talk framework. So thank you so much for being here. And you are the owner of Vita Integrative Clinic in Salem, Oregon. Yes. But you spend a lot of time in Portland and you're part of the sex positive community here. Yes. Right now, most of my energy is going into my the project on stars, which is the safer sex talk. I'm mm -hmm. really trying to get that talk um, out into the mainstream and into mm -hmm. universities is my goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we know that consent and sexual assault boundary issues comes up a lot for people in those age groups, drinking, college, mm -hmm. high school. Um, mm -hmm. So what communities are those that you spend time in? Um, well, you know, the uh, COVID kind of uh, messed all of that up. So yeah. usually when I'm here, I spend a lot of my time with maybe mostly like a sacred sexuality. Um, I do a lot mm. of sacred sexuality work right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm not so much in a kink community or swinger community. Definitely in a sex I didn't, didn't want to out you. Yeah. I'm like, I know like who your friends are, but I don't know what you want to share publicly. Okay. So that gives a yeah. better understanding. Sacred sexuality. Yeah. Right of now, where that's awesome. I'm, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now, but I've been part of like a kink community and, uh, you know, Sex Positive Portland. I'm no longer uh, affiliated with Sex Positive Portland, no. Okay. So my, all of this is to say that I have you on because you're not like most doctors. You're a cool doctor. No. <laughs> but like, really, you can handle people's questions that a lot of doctors just cannot. They're not educated on, they're not interested in. They have shame or like their own misinformation about. So thank you for coming on. Um, we're going to dive right in and do a bunch of questions. The first one, um, this, I'm so glad someone else brought this up. So listener question one was, what would you change about the ways that sexual health is taught in medical school? They said slash residency, which makes me think they're in it right now. Well, it would be nice if it was taught, right? Um, like if sexuality, if sexuality was taught. Because sexual health is taught in terms of disease and dysfunction, which means that we pretty much focus on STIs, which we have been calling STDs, the diseases, of course, dis-ease. Um, mm. And we don't really focus on what the underlying, and we talk about conception, you know, all the, all the issues of sexual health, but we don't talk about sexuality, or I'm going to reframe it as and sexual wellness. Mm -hmm. um, so what we talk about I dysfunction. Change? 
Right. What would I change? I would move away from the disease and dysfunction model, which, of course, most medical school is based on. And I would incorporate a pleasure. Like, let's talk about pleasure. Let's talk about being in our bodies and how do we motivate our patients to be embodied. Mm -hmm. And let's reframe sexuality as something that's not a problem, but actually a joy. Um, and I do. I actually try to teach healthcare. I, I go Pacific University, their uh, PA, physician assistant program. I do teach a class once a year on how to be a sex positive healthcare provider. Like, oh, what you. do we need? Yeah. And I, it's a class that I'd love to teach even wider. It's, you know, it's about how do we first get into a comfort zone with our own sexuality, get out of the stories of our own sexuality so that we could really be present for our patients to show up in the ways they need us. They need to show up mm -hmm. and um, understanding that sexuality is not just penis and vagina, understanding that sexuality doesn't even have to include sex, you know, how the way we think of sex. Mm -hmm. So I think that really just recognizing that sexuality is a really important energy that we spend a lot of our lives thinking about. I mean, we're put on this planet to kind of replicate and to die, right? Yeah. I mean, if we go down to the essence of things. So like, uh -huh. I always find it kind of ironic that the one thing that we're, everybody has, you know, we all came from, from mm -hmm. a sex act somewhere, right? Or an orgasm mm -hmm. somewhere. So why do we never talk about it? Why is it such a hidden subject? It's just, mm -hmm. I don't, and even in medical school and even in medicine. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah. So just talking about it, you know, I find that I have this health coach that works in my practice and she was telling me like the rubric that they use and there's like sleep and nutrition and relationships and diet and you know all of these things but i was like isn't it strange that there's nothing here on sexuality yeah where's that the sex? is such, right and it's again it's not just about like people hooking up with each other or having sex it's yeah. more about like the essence of something that actually connects us to our body brings us joy and pleasure and actually is an important thing in relationships and there's so much trauma around it why are we not talking about this thing let's get well, it out also, of the closet absolutely and just like anatomy and function people want to know like why does my mm -hmm. body do that thing for years mm -hmm. for years i was curious i was like how is it that when i have a tampon in i and i get aroused i still experience vaginal wetness like isn't the tampon going to absorb it if it's coming out of me and then i learned about bartholin's glands which are near the entrance right. of the vagina and then I learned about people getting like cysts in that area and like, yeah. you know, just so like even something like that right there, like I guarantee you there's listeners who just half of them just learned that, you know, like and a ton of doctors probably don't know about that either. So imagine if you were having an issue, you can't even explain or describe it regardless of what the issue is. And your doctor oh doesn't Could know I either. Could I just tell you something? When I was in residency. I met my husband just before residency and I started birth control pills and I had terrible vulvodynia. Like I had vestibulitis. So a lot of pain on the outside of like the entrance to my vagina. I just like every time we had intercourse, I had se severe pain and I did not know that it was caused by birth control pills. It was until my senior year in residency oh, God. that a that, you know, one of my attendings mentioned it. And I was like, Oh, my God, I've been suffering for three years. Oh and I'm God. a doctor. 
And I, you know, and I'm a progressive doctor, but this is how little sexuality was taught in my medical school and even in residency. And I was a family practice resident. So we got to learn all of it. Wow. And, you know, and now, of course, like I know tons about hormones and I know tons about like all of these things okay, but good. A lot of it was self-motivated a lot of it that I learned on my own because nobody else was there to teach me oh I feel yeah similarly um why doesn't Google know um this is pre-Google days um so my question real quick is do you remember what kind of birth control that was you know it was just a birth control pill. I forgot. It was a long time ago. Okay. Like okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So they've changed. And I, sometimes I still do see women who have pain with when they're on birth control pills, but I rarely see it anymore. So it was That's probably awesome. an older edition. That's and awesome. it actually has to, it actually has to do with the way it changes your hormones. So mm-hmm. it could still happen. Mm-hmm. It's just rare. Okay, good. That's great to know that that is a thing. Cause I actually didn't yeah. know that. Um, I admittedly could use a refresher on vulvodynia. Uh, yeah. What was the other one you said? Vestibulitis? Yeah, vulvo vestibulitis. So the vestibula is the area just around the introitus. The introitus is the entrance to the vagina. So just around that, when that becomes inflamed and it's very painful, that's called vulvo vestibulitis, which is one of the vulvodynias, which is one of the pain syndromes that can happen on and the outside of a vulva, you know, does that, on a vulva. does that relate to infection ever? Or is that something entirely different? Yeah, no, it's entirely different. This is much wow. more of a pain syndrome. And and for me, what it was caused by is like, when you're on birth control pills, it increases your estrogen level, you're on a little bit more estrogen. So it increases this hor- this um, protein that binds onto other hormones. So it this protein that binds goes higher and then it binds to all the extra testosterone. So it lowered my testosterone significantly. And that's where my pain came from. Oh my gosh. This stuff is fascinating. I am yeah. admittedly not a hormone expert, but I also could use a refresher and a whole bunch of classes. Um, do you teach, you said you teach other doctors on how to be sex positive. Would you teach yeah. sex educators? <laughs> I would love to just, you know, I, I, I am open to teaching anybody who wants to learn because I feel like this is just unspoken. This is really yeah. important th- stuff. Like I, I think my biggest passion is actually putting the idea of how important sexuality is for ourselves as human beings, like really bring sexual wellness into the dialogue of how to be a healthy and happy human. So, so what would you change? About I, the way I do whatever I can to help put that message, you know? Yeah. And here we are on podcast. Yeah. So the answer to mm-hmm. what would you change about the way sexual health is taught in medical school slash residency is like, teach it, teach it more, teach it at all. It's not really covered. Right. right. Okay. Right, so that's right. I asked uh, my Instagram audience and my listeners here, do you have a relationship with your doctor? Can you be honest with them? Why or why not? Someone says, can I be what? Someone says, nope, I'm so happy she is retiring. Someone says, to an extent, sex work and the risks of sharing that info are too high. So I handle that elsewhere. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, nope. Just had to quit seeing a new doctor because he turned my appointment into his anti-mask rant. That's terrifying. Ooh. Oh, sorry. I know those people are out there. That's, and this is great to acknowledge that like people in positions of power can, can and do real harm. 
So it's important mm-hmm. that we can identify stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It. Uh, someone says, yes. Someone else says the ones at Planned Parenthood are great. I've told them so much sketchy stuff. Mm. Um, someone else says, yes, I told my PCP that I wanted to get on birth control because I was opening my marriage. And also I warned my dermatologist that I had many bruises, not to worry, because of kink before she saw them. Mm. What does PCP stand for? Primary care? Uh, primary care physician gotcha. or provider, primary care provider. Okay. Someone else says, no, I was treated like I was the most irresponsible human on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard that shaming people doesn't teach them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder when doctors could figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone else says, yes, I hurt her. Someone says, I try to be open, but they often have very little understanding, and I feel like I get steamrolled. Uh, Someone says, I always felt very safe with my doctor. I was able to ask questions about sex toys when I went on my NuvaRing without judgment. And when I got anxiety slash depression and slash PTSD meds, my doctor was very understanding and helpful. That's cool. So it's a range. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, if when people ask me, how do I find a sex positive doctor? I say, go for some, a newer physician or a newer provider, a really? younger, newer provider. Really? Yeah, because, you know, the younger generation, it's like they're, they're more open, you know, brought up in different times. Mm-hmm. And when I teach my how to be a sex positive healthcare provider to the physician assistants, like, I don't have to talk about gender. I don't have to talk about you know, oh, these are the different relationships. Some people are non-monogamous. They're like, yeah, we know that, you know? Uh-huh. So it's really, so So I could just go more into like, this is, you know, the things that might make you uncomfortable. Like just because somebody is non-monogamous does not mean that they are, you know, going to get an STI, uh, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. I, 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 there's more of the nuance I could go into. Whereas when I'm talking to older providers, uh, it's much more like, what? people aren't married and if you have, if you if you have sex outside of your marriage then that's cheating and it's bad and I'm sorry mm. you know just like there's so much more and if you get an std that's what you right. should expect exactly um, exactly so you know it, it's hard i i don't have a doctor because i can't find a doctor that i can have a relationship with on this wow yeah i remember asking yeah. you once like like, do you have other folks like you feel like peers, I think, or other doctors like you? Do you feel that way? I mean, mm-hmm. 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 I, I know there's a few out there, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know them. Um, yeah. it's and and there's there's people that are so, like accepting, right? But to be truly like poly kink, um inform more than just informed but like Mm. understanding it that's i think that's a lot harder and i again i think it's because like most doctors aren't going to be out about what they do and Mm. i feel pretty comfortable being out about what i have you know what i what knowledge i've accumulated through being Mm. part of these sex positive communities i think there's so much knowledge there's so much knowledge that needs to be shared widely with a lot of people you're comfortable sharing now, but has it always been that way? Um, being yes out. Yes and no. I yeah. mean, yes and no, but I made a conscious decision to be absolutely, totally out 
this past year, just mm-hmm. because I don't want to have to hide that. There's nothing that I'm ashamed about. So awesome. You know, and we live in, I mean, you're in Salem, which is right. More typically socially <laughs> conservative than yes, Portland, yes. but yes. cause I'm living in Portland. So I'm like in the bubble bubble of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, my, my patients are very me, you know, just, they're not, I, I have some, queer patients, but really most of my patients are just like human beings who live in Salem and I love them. And they've been my patients for 25 years. So good. Um, and no one's coming after you for being the sex positive doctor. That's great. No, no. Good. Okay. Good. That's what I care about. Good. <laughs> no, uh, not yet. You know, I'm sure that when, if my message gets pushed broader then I'm sure there'll be some that's true yeah yeah that's true the bigger you expand with stars and Mm -hmm. like the TEDx Mm -hmm. talk that's true the bigger you get Mm -hmm. the more opposition you can typically expect right Right. Right. okay what about so I'm 35 I I know that you talk about your sexuality and like your evolution Mm -hmm. and you've you're talking Mm -hmm. like speaking to like aging and sexuality a little bit these days. Mm-hmm. I see you share mm-hmm. personally on mm-hmm. Facebook. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, do you see that as you can, as we all continue to age, do you see that taking up a bigger part of your work or no? The aging and what mm-hmm. sexuality aging. looks like. Yeah. Like aging. silver sex and pop. Yeah. Population. No, like actually, no, I don't because I, I don't. Um, I will speak on sexual wellness and pleasure and how that could shift during aging. And I think on all the ages, you know, Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest, the biggest hit people get with their sexuality is after they have children Mm -hmm. and we, nobody speaks about that. You know, people don't speak about, right. And and people are like, wait, I'm in my twenties. I'm in my thirties. This is supposed to be my prime. And I have no libido or, you know, and nobody talks about that, but then everybody talks about like, oh, when you go through menopause, you're going to lose your libido, which is just honestly, can I tell you, it's not true. Right. For you, it's not been the case. Or it doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be true. Okay. So that's great to hear. The kids thing is such a huge component. Yeah, totally. People are like, how come I can't have like spontaneous fantasies or arousal or like, you know, I'm like, what does your home life look like? You know, exactly. Exactly. Have you like touched poop in the last hour that wasn't yours? (laughs) And, you know, like, did you change a diaper? Like did dog puke on the rug again? Right. I mean, right. so, and, and then the shift like into who you're taking care of from your, mm-hmm. you know, your lovership changes. I mean, there's a lot. So sexuality is so, and that's one of the beauties of me being a family physician. You know, a lot of people assume that I'm an OBGYN because I talk about a oh, lot of you right. know sexual stuff, right. but being a family physician means that I get to take care of people during their entire lives. So I see Wow. I see sexuality through all the ages and I see that they're all important and we don't talk about any of it. Mm-hmm. So really the place that I put my energy right now is to bring it out of the shadow. Mm-hmm. Let's bring sexuality out of the shadow and start talking about it. The more we talk about it, the more we can't, the freer we are, the less we're controlled by it, the less trauma we'll have. Mm-hmm. You know, if we actually, that's the whole point of my, of stars, the safer sex talk is like if we understand ourselves and could communicate that before we're sexual with anybody or intimate with anybody it's going to change so much about the way we relate to one another 
Mm -hmm. And the learning along the way that we continue yes. to do. And you're a parent yeah. too. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have two children. Mm -hmm. Right. So that gives us more experience, hopefully knowledge and insight on like having conversations that can be difficult or confusing. Oh, like, yeah. I don't yeah. know, but I'll find out is the best thing to yeah. say if you don't know something. Please don't <laughs> just like make it up or guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So let's take a break. Everybody go to Instagram at sexmeddoc or on Facebook, Eveline Dacker or evelinedacker.com and find me on Instagram at stripperwriter. Ioba Toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh My G and the Oh My C. The Oh My G is a G-spot massager with three intensity levels, a massaging pearl, and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers, also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you for finding us on Instagram. If you like random screenshots and memes, They Talk Sex Podcast. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on your favorite listening app. So we're talking with Dr. Evelyn Dacker. This is the Ask a Doctor Anything Sexual Health Edition episode. All right, let's dive right in. I'm prone to UTIs, urinary tract infections, maybe five a year. And I take D-Manos, which fixed me. But will taking this mess me up otherwise? It's a... Um it's a carbohydrate or it's a sugar molecule, which what it does, it kind of think of it like it lines the, um, the urethra and it helps prevent the bacteria from sticking on it, which then could migrate up into the bladder. So sometimes people take this to cure UTIs hmm. and you have to take quite high doses of it. I don't have it off the top of my head, but mm -hmm. like, Usually it's like a tablespoon, maybe 500 milligrams, and you have to do that like three to five times a day if you're trying to get rid of a UTI. But hmm. some people who have recurrent UTIs, means they have them more frequently, then they could take that almost as a preventative. Um, some people take it every day. Some people take it just when they know if, let's say, if a uh, penis inside a vagina causes them and is one of the factors, then they could take it like right after they had that to help prevent a UTI. Huh. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't mess anything up. It's really, it, it messes, you know, it's better than taking an antibiotic, which then mm. does change the bacteria in your gut and the bacteria in your 
canal. So, you know, I prefer people doing the D-Manos if it works, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work for everybody. So, you know, it's one yeah. of those things you can't, it wouldn't mess you up, but it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, work for everybody. Okay. And I I'll just, give it a go if you do have yeah. And I would just say, like, if you're somebody who has recurrent UTIs, make sure that your partner washes their hands before they, you know, put anything in your canal. Um, that with EP before and afterward, we all kind of, the, you know, I think we all know that you mm-hmm. wipe front to back, you know, you just really maintain some kind of uh, health in that area as much mm-hmm. as you can. But some people, they're just prone and it just happens. So D-manus mm-hmm. is great. It's not going to mess them up. Awesome. All right, cool. Um, listener question two. Any tips or info about sex after hysterectomy or other pelvic surgery? This is very broad. For folks 25 to 40. Hmm. It's interesting. I wonder why they the, it was 25 to 40. Like, why not? Yeah, just, interesting. Yeah, why not in general? Maybe there's an assumption, right, because, again, that like menopause is about to happen and your life changes. I don't know. And then That's you just don't care anyway. You Like, you know, <laughs> you hit 50 and nobody cares about sex anyway. <laughs> right. I hear that. Oh, God. That will not be me. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It doesn't have to be. It's not me. And I'm in my 50s. So, yeah. hey. Yeah. And I have better sex now than I've ever had in my whole life. Oh, so I can't. That's there's hope for nice. you. <laughs> there's hope for you if you don't think that's going to happen. Right. It can happen. I love um, that. You know, I would say really after a hysterectomy, first, you're not supposed to have sex for six weeks to allow healing after a hysterectomy. How do I know that? Because I've had one. I've had a hysterectomy. Um, The only thing that I would say that really with anybody is make sure you have enough lubrication around. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think, especially like 25 to 40, I think in that age group, you think, oh, I shouldn't need extra lubrication. Well, that is a fallacy. Everybody should always have some good lube that they like Mm -hmm. um, on hand next to wherever they can have sex. One of our sponsors is good, clean love lube. Great. Yeah. So like have that lubrication lubricants that you use your favorite one Mm -hmm. and use it and then like there shouldn't be any pain or discomfort i mean i could say for myself after i had my hysterectomy in six weeks i was totally fine Mm. it was i didn't have an issue um so no there really it shouldn't be very different and if it is if you have increased pain or issues with uh you know, with any pen- penetration of anything, then really see your provider who did the surgery because you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes people feel like their their orgasm could be a little different, especially if they remove the cervix. Hmm. And some, you know, so there there's that. Doesn't the and cervix so like contract that. sometimes with the rest of that during orgasm? Do you know, I know that yeah. uterine contractions are normal during like clenching orgasm. Right. I wonder right. about the cervix. I mean, it can. It can. And some people get like, have specific spots on the cervix that provide pleasure. So mm. people have known to have like cervical orgasms. Mm. For me, my cervix was really uh, tender and I me didn't too. actually like it. Me too. Even this so conversation it- is giving me the willies. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, like if you're somebody who likes your cervix to be touched Mm -hmm. and you're going to have a hysterectomy, 
Oh. Uh, then I would say that, you know, things may change, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, nothing really changed. I still, my G-spot still worked. Everything works. Everything's normal. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing I can't do that I could do before. So just use lube and just understand that there might be some shifts. Yeah. Uh, were you nervous before your surgery? This is my own listener question, personal question. Hmm. You know what? I wasn't because it kind of happened really fast for me and I didn't have to. And it was like right around the time last year with the fires and COVID. And, oh, you know, it's just, it was like, there was just, a lot of shit so much going on that I just was like, just let's do it. But oh, my God, the world I wish I, I could say, yeah, I kind of wish I didn't. Really? Um, you regret your yeah, hysterectomy? I, love, I, I mean, I don't regret anything in life. Yours? Because I was bleeding and they couldn't rule out cancer. And <laughs> that seems like a legitimate reason. Just, right. And my mother was just diagnosed with cancer, with, uh, with bladder cancer. So, geez. And there were the fires and there was COVID and it was just like you know it must be cancer yeah, let's take it out yeah let's just deal with yeah, it yeah i was like i don't i that's like the last thing i could deal with so um, oh, wow. it was not cancer right it was Good. not cancer so then i was like damn i wish i didn't take it out because i love my womb i love my womb my children lived in there so it, it felt yeah. like I, I was sad i was sad losing her yeah okay so sex after hysterectomy yeah. Um, also on the lube thing real quick, I am one of those people that can use silicone lube and it doesn't irritate me. Um, you don't have to use mm-hmm. water-based, um, but uh, if right. you're sensitive. Yeah. Oh, that was my question. Um, and hysterectomy is taking out the uterus, correct? Correct. Correct. What, what about the fallopian yeah. tubes? Um, it kind of depends. I think they do now take the fallopian tubes because there is an increased risk of ovarian cancer in the fallopian tubes. Oh. So they remove the fallopian oh. tubes, even if they leave the, the ovaries in. Wow. So a hysterectomy, they leave the ovaries in. With the hysterectomy, sometimes they remove the cervix, but sometimes they don't remove the cervix and they leave the cervix in place. The thing about doing... So it's really a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Most of the time they recommend just removing the cervix because, you know, HPV could increase the risk of cervical cancer cancer and most people have hpv so taking out the cervix you just remove the risk of cervical cancer right like if you're already in there they figure to take it out exactly hmm. exactly okay but. okay thank you so i think we answered that uh why do you think the cdc doesn't recommend prep on their std prevention page is it still an std prevention page or does the cdc say sti yet I'll look that up. The real question is why yeah. do they not include what is prep and why do you think they don't include it? Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm going to take a deep, deep breath answering this question. Ooh, um, they don't include it because they don't understand sexuality. Mm. Everything that they say on their prevention page is sex negative. The CDC. All of it. Yeah. Yes. Every one of the recommendations create a picture that if you get, and I'm going to use STD, if you get a disease because you had sex, you did something wrong because the things that we recommend to reduce it are abstinence, condom use, monogamy, vaccine 
I, I forgot the other one, but yeah, but still, okay. We're getting a picture here. Yeah. Right. But that's it. So never in there do they talk about the fact that, well, what if you're having sex? <laughs> what if you're not abstinent? What if you're not monogamous? Like, what about me? What happens to me in this context? What if you don't have access to condoms? What if you're in an abusive relationship? Exactly. Know? And condoms do not prevent all STIs. And not all STIs are sexually transmitted. I can't, I just recently came up with sensually transmitted infections because we mm -hmm. don't talk about that because like some of these infections like molluscum contigiosum, genital warts, scabies, um, even like a staph infection, right? Um, Mm, all friction. of that could even and herpes herpes mm. all of those could be passed along with just sensual activity with one another mm -hmm. and i have a herpes outbreak right fucking now actually on my bottom right you know, side <laughs> so like these are sensually transmitted diseases and not just sex so let's like break out of this it's almost like if it's a shaming and so then if you have like if you're somebody who's a chronic viral infection it's like, oh, I'm a bad person because I got this because I went against these recommendations. And these recommendations don't talk about the true things that we can do to help minimize infections. And that goes right back to my stars talk. Like one of the things that they don't talk about is regular testing. Like what if people mm. who are sexual in these contexts, they just get regular testing. Oh, what about why don't they talk about like share your STI test results? And this is mm -hmm. what STI test results, like educate people on that. Educate people mm -hmm. that condoms may help reduce certain infections such as gonorrhea, chlamydia, HIV, internal, you know, herpes. Um, yes. Mm, but internal it, herpes, yes. But it doesn't reduce all those other ones, right? Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we just constantly are, are, making everything a disease and dysfunction in, in medicine. I really feel like the CDC's prevention guidelines are so outdated, are so mm -hmm. based in our patriarchal, you know, cultural mentality and are not mm -hmm. reflective on real world scenarios. So, you know, I, I kind of have come up with a whole different paradigm of, of reducing infections and that's part of my work too. I actually do a lot of work around destigmatizing STIs because when you destigmatize STIs, then you're being sex positive and you're recognizing that sexuality is a normal, beautiful thing that we do with one another. And let's talk about mm -hmm. it in those terms rather than saying don't mm -hmm. do it. There are two medications approved for use as PrEP, Truveda and Discovy. Right, right. Okay. So why, why doesn't... So on... Prep. This this seems important. I hadn't seen this before. Truveda is for all people at risk through sex or injection drug use. Discovy is for people at risk through sex, except for people uh, signed female at birth who mm -hmm. are at risk of getting HIV from vaginal sex. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's okay. been studied. It hasn't been studied yet. Okay, so I like usually I'm seeing prep like mentioned by like cis gay men. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's yeah. Um. So that might be a big population. Okay. 
And you've you've mentioned before to me that it can be because it's an antiviral, it can be hard on the body in terms of like side effects. Prep and, and, and like Truveda and Discovery. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For some people. Mm-hmm. And and you have to okay. also the other issue about it is that you have to have access to health care and we can't assume that everybody has access to health care. It requires mm-hmm. um, lab work every three months. And some people do. They have a lot of gut symptoms. You can have a lot of nausea, diarrhea. It could mess up your your um, GI system a little bit. But it is, mm-hmm. you know, again, I think the reason that it's not one of the issues is we think it's only for men who uh, ha- get penetrated by other men and, um, mm-hmm. or people with penises who get penetrated by penises. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. make this assumption that if you're a person who has a penis who gets penetrated or penetrates someone with your penis, that then you are at high risk no matter what. Again, the sex mm-hmm. negativity comes in. They, It's not mm-hmm. discussed about, well, what if you're a sex worker with a vagina? You know, should you be on mm-hmm. PrEP? What if you're somebody who um, is married but goes to a lot of, you know, does a lot of anonymous, you know, hookups? So we don't, it's almost like it's, it, it's also shamed if you're going to be on PrEP because that means you're sexual. And I think that the more we teach providers, healthcare providers to be like, Hey, this is a great tool as is when we use antivirals for herpes and antivirals Mm -hmm. or herpes are not as not hard on your body. Oh, that's nice to hear. So to come back to it, why do you think the CDC doesn't recommend prep on their, well, I'm I'm trying on the, you know, I, I think it's because they don't, they're not talking about people who are actually sexually active and there is a page and I, it's like five things. Um, and yeah, I think as they, it is, they do recommend it. Like when you go a little deeper, they do recommend prep, but they don't recommend it on their top five because everything they're trying to say in the top five is like, don't have sex. If you have, Oh, I see it. Okay. So abstinence, vaccination, mutual monogamy. (laughs) Don't let your partner cheat on you (laughs) as if you could control it. Yeah. Mutual monogamy. That's funny. Reduce number of sex partners, use condoms. Okay. Every single one of them is telling you not to have sex, right? Have it with one person. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I don't do all of these things though. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's not a real world. And so, right. so what that, you're saying is we need to have these talks about like what you're teaching for with the stars talk, like, yes. here's my actual risks. What are yeah. your actual risks? How do we screen for them? And, uh, then what do yeah. we do if they come have up? conversations with each other? Like, and how, what are we going to do to reduce, you know, any infections and, you know, actually just talk about it and make it positive being like, Hey, we want to enjoy this activity we're going to do. And we're going to see if we could reduce, not, we could never eliminate all risks, but we could try to reduce mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. just like when getting into a car, we, we have to get into cars, almost all of us. And so how do we mm-hmm. reduce the risk if we get into an accident? Right. So rather than saying, mm-hmm. don't use, Seatbelt, don't get in yeah. the car, don't use it, get in the car. You know, if you get in the car, get in with mm-hmm. only one person <laughs> that you know, well, but instead, you know? instead then, it's, it's like, don't, don't be on your phone like you know like practical like how can we reduce right, harm is right. like don't be fucking on your phone and like eating and exactly so yeah. so like and when use your so blinker let, 
So let's just acknowledge that people are sexual and they're sexual outside of a mutually monogamous relationship and that they're sexual and not always using condoms and that condoms don't reduce all infections. So let's get mm -hmm. real. That's my, that's my mm -hmm. new mm -hmm. prevention model. Get real. And mm -hmm. let's. Yeah. So the CDC needs to update. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a whole idea of a sex health positive new paradigm where we are going to recognize that sexual health is part of whole person health. And therefore we're going to talk about it and we're going to, and that's what I teach. I mean, that's exactly the model I teach. I think the CDC mm -hmm. is outdated. Uh, we need to recognize what people are doing and teach them how to minimize risks, teach STIs in a way that's real. And that's, you know, we don't even teach true, our sex ed is so flawed. We don't teach STIs in a real life way. And so I do that. Like mm -hmm. I love teaching about STIs. I love teaching about prevention. And my model really relies a lot on the STARS framework where the first thing you, you know, you talk about your testing, how often do you get tested? What is your status? What do you need to reduce? What, you know, if you have herpes, if you have uh, HIV, or you, you're doing activities that you enjoy that may increase the risk of getting one of these. Do you do any prophylactic mm -hmm. medications? How do you feel about condoms? What is your use around them? Uh, what are your ideas? You know, I mean, like have mm -hmm. these conversations rather than just assuming, okay, we have to use condoms. And then, you know, it just, it, and people don't, I mean, it's just a mess. So mm -hmm. I think we will. Yeah, so thank you for being here. <laughs> I mean, I bet you if one a study I really want to do is I want to know how many people who are in not you know ethical or consensual non monogamous relationships and that includes you know swingers and kinksters and polyamorous like the whole gamut how many of those mm -hmm. people what is the rate of STI transmission in those people that we know are not mutually monogamous and are sexually active with multiple partners like I love to know what the rate of STIs are in that and I bet you they're less than what's out in, in, in the regular default world. Mm -hmm. Any reading I had ever seen about that specifically said that people who were having multiple partners but getting screened regularly were less likely to transmit or have any kind of active, you know, or unknown uh, infection compared to people who are in consecutively monogamous relationships because they incorrectly assumed that right. because no one had ever had any symptoms, nobody ever got tested. Right. 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 So that's where like why the work that I'm doing isn't for just sex positive communities. It really is for everybody. And this knowledge that you could learn like, Oh, how do you have a negotiation talk? I don't, you know, I am not somebody who is, I would consider myself in the kink community and I don't, you know, participate in kink activities, but the safer sex talk that people do before scenes was so beautiful. Like I learned so much from that that mm -hmm. that is part of, you know, taking this out into the world. And like, you could do this too. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. You're kink literate. Yeah. 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 I believe. Yeah. Okay. So next question, what are you doing to reduce anti-fat bias in your field? If anything, do you practice H A E S health at every size based care? Well, it's interesting. I had to look that up because I didn't know what health at every size based care is because I don't follow people's, I don't follow protocols. I hate protocols. I hate being told what to do. <laughs> and I don't, um, what I call paint by numbers. 
So when a person comes into my office, I don't care what the weight is or their BMI. I do like to know their blood pressure and how they feel in their body. To me, how a person feels in their body is so much more important. Like I could have somebody who's really fit and thin. When I ask them, how do you feel in their body? They could be like, I feel horrible. I feel like I'm too fat mm -hmm. or I'm too thin. Like it doesn't matter if your BMI is over 25 and you fit in the obese range. To me, I don't care. Now, if you don't mm -hmm. feel well in your body and then you're having other issues like diabetes or, you know, and those could be reduced mm -hmm. if you learn how to be in your body better then that's the avenue I personally take. I don't tell mm -hmm. people to lose a certain amount of weight. I don't care. I just, but sometimes when people are in their body better, mm -hmm. then they take better care of themselves and they're eating better and they give up their soda and, you know. So mm -hmm. when I looked at it, it's like, oh yeah, I do. I do health at every size. That's just what I naturally do. Um, nice. Am I Am I doing anything to reduce anti-fat bias in my field? Well, I am doing something to reduce all isms in my field. You know, um, it's an intersectional thing. I don't go out and just be like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, just focusing on sexuality or just focusing on age or just focusing on body size. Well, you don't, um, you're not a bigger bodied person, right? You don't consider yourself a bigger bodied person. So it would make sense why you're not directly advocating. Like, I'm not a fat activist because right. I'm a straight sized person. Right. Um, and, and, yeah. Right. I mean, but we can yeah. also be literate in this stuff. So I'm looking at the website. Hayescommunity.com is one health at every size resources, yeah. pledge, view, join, search, locate, critical awareness, respect, compassionate self-care. Yeah. I mean, this is what we, what, when, if you look at the website, that's what I do with everybody. You know, I don't mm -hmm. look at somebody just and be like, Oh, you are this. So I don't, I don't know. I just try mm -hmm. to, I personally, in my practice, try to treat everybody as a human being. Um, you know, then people are like, hey, Thanks. can I be your patient? And the answer is no. <laughs> I'm actually, my practice, I just want to put that out there. That right now my practice is closed because mm -hmm. I am spending um, most of my focus right now is going on this other work, my STARS work and my destigmatizing uh, STI work. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. how I am. Your clinic is care. available anyway. Yeah, you have other providers at your clinic, I right? Do. I do, yeah. 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 So thanks to this listener uh, friend who submitted this question for health at every size based care. That's something a lot of people can now go mm -hmm. look up and also inquire with themselves. Uh, last question before we take another break. Can excessive, I don't know what that means, but can excessive vibrator use hurt me? Can it affect my nerves? You know, I found this question really interesting because it feels like the person is shaming themselves in asking that question because what does exactly like what is excessive like mm -hmm. if you were to say can excessive pleasure hurt me you know think about that can excessive pleasure like if vibrators are providing your pleasure can too much pleasure hurt you i mean i'm not i, I i'm not gonna like I just feel like coming at it from the other way, like excessive anything could be bad for you. I mean, probably excessive exercise. Excessive, you know, like if if you're chafing your body or if you're using too much time masturbating because you're avoiding doing your other tasks, like that's not helpful. But, but it's know, not I, the vibrator that's hurting you. Right. And I, I, I just feel like 
I bet you, I bet you what this, what this person is asking is if I get off on a vibrator, is that, is that bad for me? Because I know that question is real. Like a lot of people are like, oh my God, I could only, you know, I really achieve orgasm best with a vibrator. And my question, my thing to you is like, you know, if it works for you and it brings you pleasure, it just, it's okay. I mean, maybe it, it depends on what you want too. Like if you want to be able to achieve an orgasm in a different way, like if you want to have a different sort of orgasm, then maybe yes, lessening the vibrator use and start exploring your genitalia for avenues that may, you might discover like a place that really is like exciting and you can have a different sort of orgasm. You know, people don't have one type of, I mean, and have one type of orgasm. Even people with mm-hmm. penises can have different sorts of orgasms. So uh, mm-hmm. there, there's no, but the answer is can't, you know, excessive anything, yes, can hurt you. Can mm-hmm. the, you know, can I, it I affect don't think, my nerves. I no, no. Can it affect my, I mean, I wouldn't use one of those massage guns. Oh, it's yeah. like made yeah. for like those, a bodybuilder's yeah, shoulder or something. Right, the pressure, the thumpers, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like you could, yeah, you could bruise the heck out of yourself. Why yes. not? Um, yes. Or like a fuck machine gone awry. Yeah, anything could like hurt you. Um, but I I don't know. I feel like if it's starting to feel weird, then you should probably stop doing it. Right. Right. Um, in terms of my own like nerves, I know when my threshold is like, you know, I'm not really feeling anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should just stop and do something else. Yeah. 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 Listen okay. to your body. Listen to your body. And there you go. And trust your body. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That'll mm-hmm. get you and try body. to be present in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I, and this also comes back to like chem sex or drug use and even like really soft drug use. Like if I smoke too much weed and take too much CBD, I don't feel my body. And I actually, I've noticed this a couple of times. Um, I had a client who like just a lap dance customer. He was not supposed to be doing this, but he was like licking and sucking on my nipples. And I didn't even feel it because I was just like thinking about other things. My body, I wasn't like tuned in. I was just very, very like numbed Mm -hmm. uh, chemically and like mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where we run into trouble is like, you just don't feel what's really going on. So excessive Mm -hmm. anything could hurt you if you're not connected to your body. Absolutely. Right. There we go. And with that, we will take a break so we can check in with our bodies. Go mm-hmm. check out Sex Med Doc on Instagram. Uh, follow Evelyn Decker on Facebook and go to maketimeforthetalk.com. Hey, everybody. I want to turn you on to Good Clean Love. It's one of my favorite brands from right here in the Pacific Northwest. Their almost naked organic lube is water-based, so it's perfect for sex with a partner when using a condom or with your favorite toys. It's the best-selling organic lube in the country, and I think you'll really love it. Go to goodcleanlove.com forward slash L and check out my personalized collection of favorite products, including pH balancing wipes, suppositories for bacterial vaginosis, massage candles, and lubricants. Use code L20 and take 20% off your first purchase. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. 
As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at Oshihana.com. That's MomotaroApotheca.com and Oshihana.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Thank you to our sponsors and thanks for finding me, StripperWriter.com. That's where you can find my pornography, which I don't mention very often. People are like, where do you sell clips, Elle? Look on my website. There's some triple X on there. Click on that. It goes to a porn page, so don't open it like in, I don't know, polite company or whatever. Uh, I am 18 and over always. Oh, God, I get this question sometimes from customers at the club. They're like, so what do you do? Like, what else do you do outside of this? Um, which is such an annoying question because maybe this is my only job. Um, but uh, so I say, oh, I, I I teach sex ed, which a lot of people are like, ooh. And uh, they say, like in schools <laughs> and uh, which is cute. Like that's not an unfair, like sure. That's probably the only place they had sex ed, you know, if at all was maybe like for like a year or something in school, um, like a lot of people. And I said, no to adults, adults of all ages. So thank you for being here, Dr. Evelyn Dacker. Yeah. This one, I don't know anything about. Um, I had heard some um, inquiries from a few men and then also a lady friend of mine who has a penis and was curious and sent me the link to this website, uh, which I'm not going to mention because I don't know if there's any legitimacy to it, but I linked it in here for you to take a look at as an example of the question, which is, is there any truth to benefits of semen retention practices? And I know that there's different reasons all over the world through time and history for different people and cultures doing semen retention practices and different beliefs to it. I've always been raised that ejaculation is healthy and good for you, but I also like edging. So what do you think? So in answer to the question, are there any benefits? I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think that there's been true studies, you know, because as a doctor, we only want to know true studies. Um, I don't think that there's been studies and physiologically, like when I think about the function of, you know, ejaculation, our bodies are made to ejaculate. So are there benefits to not ejaculating? I don't, from what I could tell, they're more spiritual and, um, and some people do it to get more in their bodies and to like be able to control that pleasure cycle a little bit better. But when I went to this website, it just was so like <laughs> cringy, can I say? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. if you retain your semen. I'm looking at the up, purported benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's keep like your voice, you, weight loss, increased yeah, muscle mass, better no, sleep, clearer skin. No, I don't think no. so. It doesn't increase your testosterone and some of those things. I mean, they're even like, usually if you have higher testosterone, you have less clear skin, you know, you lose more hair. Mm. So it's just funny. It, it's, I, I think that 
I no, none of those benefits do I actually truly think there's there's any mm-hmm. benefits of those side side effects. But is there a benefit? Maybe maybe there is psychologically. Maybe there is, especially for people who have a harder time um, with ejaculation. Sometimes mm. it's a nice practice. Sometimes uh, this sort of retention practices could help open up other avenues of orgasm uh, because mm. men who tend to do this have have multiple orgasms or have different sorts of orgasms more along the line of uh some people with vaginas can yeah i want to excuse my language when i kind of fall into uh you know the gender roles it's it's an ongoing it can be hard with medical stuff yes yeah they good catch though um yeah, I'm looking at this website again and like on the right side, you can see some of the affiliates like one of the, it says like my husband is addicted to porn. What should I do? And then underneath it's like a video on nofap and the nofap culture is an entire like right. mostly right. incel men. Right. Yeah, so this is, this is okay. Yeah. So I love your answer where like I hear that it could be really, really good for someone's mm-hmm. self-esteem like having control of your body is such Mm -hmm. a cool feeling you know controlling your breathing or like spiritualists that can like slow their heart rates like incredibly you know yeah i mean okay so if you're gonna do semen retention it could be good for like kink or any kind of play i don't think Mm -hmm. there's anything harmful in it i think there's anything that one does that causes us to again be embodied um helps us have a better relationship with ourselves. So if trying to learn a semen retention practice is not, could be a good thing. Is it going to make you lose weight and become more, more, you know, manly manly and masculine? No. So like there are people, you know, there are women with dicks and they may want to do a semen Mm -hmm. retention practice, not because of, you know, because they don't necessarily want to become more manly. Right. I mean, so it just, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's not going to make you more one gender, or more one, you know, more feminine or masculine by doing any of this stuff. It's not going to make you lose weight. You're not going to like become a bodybuilder from this, but it can give you other beautiful there you benefits go. if that's the avenue you want to take and learn. Lovely. I agree with that. So last question for the episode. Uh, any tips about diabetes and erectile or engorgement dysfunction? Or disability. Yeah. Um, I know again that word dysfunction, disability, like mm-hmm. uh, I mean I mean mm-hmm. the best tip I'm gonna say in this case is to take care of the diabetes. <laughs> because if the sugar is out of if it's poorly controlled, it's gonna affect those small vessels that contribute to you know, erection issues. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so does like high blood pressure, anything that affects the small vessel and the lining in that small vessel, because it decreases the ability for blood to flow into those vessels. Now, one of the things is let's say you do have issues, um, either having an erection, maintaining an erection, whatever it is, sometimes, you know, this could give us a different avenue to have to encourage a different sort of sexuality. It doesn't always have to be about a uh, genital being inserted into Hard something, dick. right? Yeah. 
And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so the first, I mean, really the main tip is take care of your body and take care of the diabetes. And how do you do that? You know, you take care of your stress and your diet and look at in your life. How do how does one choose to empower your body to be functioning as best as it can? Um, It could, you know, Mm -hmm. and then with, if ED is really an issue, I, I am grateful that there are medications that could help that out for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Science can be so awesome. Yeah. Sometimes. And you know, there, and I looked up like, Oh, I guess there's like radio frequency. There's all these different things that you can use. I, I don't know how well they work. Um, th- they might, but if you have a medical mm-hmm. issue that is the reason for any sexual underlying sexual dysfunction, such as diabetes, hypertension, you mm-hmm. know, take care of that first. <laughs> take care of that. Gotcha. Thank you for that. All of this advice is lovely. So what are some resources? I know that you said that um, you don't like, I don't think, did you say you don't like rules? You don't like uh, boxes? I don't know. Right. You're a, I don't like boxes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what are some resources that have been helpful for your learning? You know, it's really funny. I, I thought about this. It's like, there's not one place that I go to to learn. And a lot of the things that I, a great one in Portland, really, I'm going to tell Shebop, you know, Shebop teaches beautiful classes, a lot of classes. And I have taken the classes. And that's the first place that I started my learning was actually listening to people who are sex educators, people in the field. Uh, that has been really helpful. Then, you know, I was part of an organization too. I'm not going to mention it Mm -hmm. right now, but I was part of an organization that I ran previously ran that also did some wonderful education. Um, Nice. You know, and so then, you know, so that it's hard to say like resources. I think that following sex educators on Instagram, on Facebook is really great. There's come as you are Mm -hmm. that book. um, Emily Nagoski. By yes, you know, is an amazing, amazing book, and I really recommend that for a lot of people as well. Mm, thank you so much. So it's a great book so on sexuality. Yeah. So lastly, before we go, are there any sex tips for our audience that you could share? Yes, the importance of breathing, sound, and movement. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes the best sex tip I could say is to be in your breath and be in your sounds and be in your movement and be in it for oneself. So to, to practice getting out of our heads and into our bodies allows us to have just a greater fulfillment in anything we're doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anything we're doing. I love that. So that's my sex tip. Thank you for all of the information so much. Everybody look her up, evelynedacker.com, make time for the talk.com. Thank you for coming on our Ask a Doctor Anything Sexual Health Edition. Uh, and I will see you on Facebook and Instagram and maybe Portland sometime yes. again. Definitely Portland sometime again. Thank you. Until next time. Hey, everybody. It's Elle. Are you ready for some discount codes? You can get 20% off cool t-shirts like the ones you've seen on Instagram by feministtrash.com. If you enter all caps, L Stanger, that's my name. 
I recommend using the code STRIPPERWRITER for 10% off your orders, $35 or more on sexual wellness items from unboundbabes.com. This is one of my favorite websites. And I know some of you enjoy the Vesper toys on lovecrave.com. You can use all caps code L for a free engraving on your Vesper toys. It's one of my favorite vibrators and I also use it to calm down like a uh, sternum vibrator. Nobody's ever asked, but I do indeed receive a portion of sales. Thank you so much to these affiliates for offering to do so, and I'm happy to recommend their products. And please let me know, listeners, what products you like or any feedback about anyone I ever recommend, be it in show or in social media or here. <laughs> 